Welcome to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast, where we discuss all things wellness. I'm Eleni Welch, nutritionist. And I'm Kay Boyer, health enthusiast. Welcome back, Renegades. Welcome, Renegades. Welcome, Eleni. I'm excited for today and our guest because she knows a lot about Hashimoto's, which affects my husband, and she has a ranch, so I'm already in love, and I'll try not to derail the conversation today <laughs> to just the ranch. Um, but I'm so excited for our guest today, and she's an accomplished um, functional medicine doctor, and I know we'll get some good tips today on health and, and, and goodness. Yes. Welcome to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast, Dr. Heather Stone. Thank you, ladies. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited for today. Yeah, us too. We're so excited. So this will be a great episode. Dr. Heather is a functional medicine practitioner. She's in the Houston, Texas area, and she specializes in all things low thyroid, Hajimoto's. So thyroid health is definitely an emerging epidemic in this in this country, and I'm sure that you could speak to that, Dr. Heather. Um, but would you... We, we're, we're story people yep. on this podcast. We always like to know the person behind yep. behind the whole story. So we want to know all about you and what brought you, first of all, to becoming a functional medicine practitioner, and then what made you decide to focus on thyroid health? Yep. Yeah, I think, you know, for many practitioners, we all have our own health story and our own health journey, and it was a personal one for me, um, just like it is for many. But, you know, for me... I was really struggling with weight loss and energy and brain fog and all of those things that, you know, a lot of women do suffer with. And, you know, I would go to different doctors and they would be like, well, nothing's really wrong with you. And I would say, this was before Dr. Google. <laughs> I'd be like, uh-huh. could you check my thyroid? I think something's going on. And they're like, nothing's going on. And, you know, for me, I also had issues with my menstrual cycle. And they said, you know, to me at one point, you know, you probably aren't ever going to be able to have children naturally. So you're going to need fertility treatments, but Hmm. you just keep doing what you're doing and essentially come back when, when you have a bigger problem. (laughs) And so for me, I was like, I just, I'm not going to live this way. So Hmm. I knew that I wanted to be a doctor, but I just didn't know what kind. And so I'm grateful for those, you know, moments, even though they were frustrating at the time, but it helped me and it led me on this journey to figure out what was really going on underneath the surface? Um, Why was I having these symptoms? And then once I overcame those symptoms, I was able to lose weight. My menstrual cycles got back on track. I was able to have two children. Naturally, I'm like, oh my gosh, there are so many women, millions of women who Mm -hmm. are dealing with this same issue. And come to find out, you know, I did have Hashimoto's and I did have an underlying thyroid problem, but it just wasn't diagnosable at the time because those things will turn on and cause symptoms, but you can't really look for them in the labs or they don't show up in the labs unless you're actually looking for them. Um, And so those challenges really um, is what put me on my journey and, and why I really focus on thyroid and Hashimoto's because they're aren't a lot of answers out there in traditional healthcare, um, but there is a lot of solutions once you really understand what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure they ran the like obligatory TSH test on you and were like, looks fine. You're within range. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, that's one of And I think that that's the biggest frustration that so many women have is like they have all of these symptoms and you can put it into Google and Google's going to say, okay, you have low thyroid. 
And so um, you go to the doctor and you think the doctor is going to be checking everything very thoroughly. But yes, like you said, they just run a TSH and they run a TSH. But a lot of times that will come back within the normal ranges. And these normal ranges are gigantic. And there's actually 12 different thyroid markers that you can run to understand, do you actually have a thyroid issue? But when they're running the TSH only, they're just looking for the disease. If, right. if, if it's out of range, then it's a diagnosable disease and then they can give you a medication. But if it's still within range and you just have a lot of dysfunction, it's going to get missed every time. Absolutely. Where yeah. did you kind of find your resources and hope to figure out how you could start healing it um, through the thyroid way? Well, I was going to chiropractic school at the time. Um, and I was studying nutrition and functional. It was not called functional medicine back mm. then. Um, this was like 20 years ago, yeah. but it was mostly where we were digging into nutrition um, and understanding that, you know, when you have a symptom, <clears throat> it's just the body telling you that something is not quite right. And it's, it's the body allowing you to understand that there's some kind of dysfunction going on underneath the surface. And so I was taking classes and courses on the weekends and outside of school as well to really understand this. And as you know, I started working on this, like I said before, it be was a named thing like functional medicine. So I've been able to really work as this whole, as the information evolves, because we learn more and more every day. We have more access to different testing every day. And the, the test, the access that we have to testing now is so amazing compared to where it was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But I was mostly just studying nutrition and trying to really understand how the body actually works. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. So your whole mission was born out of your own personal struggles. And I always love those stories. That's like, I'm not going to let anybody else suffer. Like I had to suffer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's always good. Like we go through those dark valleys and it's so wonderful when people can use them to, to provide light in the darkness for other people and help them through. And I'm like, yeah, that's why we go through things. Cause then we can turn around and help others get through them and they, they can get it out on the other side faster than we did yep. <laughs> spend less time. Yeah, exactly. I do think that's why a lot, whether I think there's always a purpose to the struggles that we yeah. have. Yeah. And I think if you can really use that, and I truly think that's why so many women get amazing results under my care is because I've been there. Yeah. I've done, I'm like 20 years ahead of them. So mm -hmm. I have lived it, done it. If they have a symptom, I probably had it or overcome it. So, you know, we, if we use our struggles as um, a way to help others, I think that's, you know, the best way that we can, you know, help others. Absolutely. Yep. So fulfilling. Um, I, I have a question. So my husband has Hashimoto's, which I know that um, most, most of the time it seems to be women, but my husband, his family on the um, maternal side, they all have it. Anyway, he has it now, but when he first got diagnosed, I'm like all natural, right? And I'm like, don't take medication. You don't need the thyroid replacement. And I'm very adamant. You know, I just think I'm kind of an idealist and not always really practical. But um, we went through a functional medicine doctor here in um, Iowa City. And he actually does need to take a thyroid replacement, like a T, I forget if it's T3 or T4. I forget which one he takes. But um, I, did you find that with you that you have it? I should say, quote unquote, cured or managed where you don't need to take that thyroid medication. Or in my husband's case, we've kind of known where he's at, where he will always have to take a replacement um, thyroid. 
Um, is that something that you come across? Is it always going to need to be replaced or can you manage it and kind of quote unquote cure it or talk me through all of that? Cause now I've, <laughs> my husband, I was so mad at him. I was like, you're taking that medication. He was like, okay, I need it. And I was like, now I've come to realize, okay, he does. And I'm thankful that that medication exists. And so talk me through that. Okay. So we have to understand the nature of Hashimoto's. So Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition where the immune system attacks and kills the thyroid. All right. So um, Hashimoto's usually turns on probably it can be months. It can be years before you actually get a diagnosis of low thyroid. Like that's usually when people catch it is once their thyroid can no longer make enough thyroid hormones because it's been attacked and killed by the immune system. Right. And, um, about 90 to 95% of people who have low thyroid actually have underlying Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. That is the most common reason why people get low thyroid. And so if you catch it early, mm -hmm. then you can really work to balance the immune system and you can slow down or even stop the attack on the thyroid. And then you wouldn't need thyroid medication. Like for me, I caught it pretty early. And so I've never had to be on synthetic thyroid hormones or mm -hmm. medication. Um, now I do take a supplement that is uh, more of like a porcine mm -hmm. thyroid. Um, but I've never had to be on thyroid medication, thankfully, yeah. but I'm constantly working to balance the immune system. Mm -hmm. Now, someone who's already been diagnosed with low thyroid, that means their thyroid tissue can no longer make adequate levels of thyroid hormone. And it's really important to understand because I try to do everything as natural as possible. Also, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I don't know the last time. I mean, my kids have never even been to um, a traditional medical doctor or had any kind of medication. Um, but but when women or men in that in your instance, um, when the thyroid can't produce enough thyroid hormones and your thyroid hormones go low, it's one of the triggers and it'll trigger your immune system to attack the thyroid even more. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that your thyroid hormones are balanced. So that is one of the things where that is necessary mm -hmm. to make sure that your thyroid hormones are stable and level. So a lot of times people have to get on thyroid hormones. Now the thyroid hormone is pretty cool because it is the only hormone that has a receptor site on every single cell in your whole body. Mm -hmm. And so it truly affects you from head to toe. And so thyroid hormones are one of those that we just want to make sure is level um, or at adequate levels to help you function because the thyroid hormones, they actually regulate your metabolism, right? Your metabolic rate is regulated by those thyroid hormones. So um, as much as I don't like to take medication either, mm -hmm. I certainly would if my thyroid hormones were down mm -hmm. uh, because it just affects every every inch of your body and it really does impact your ability to regulate your immune system. Yep. Yep. I'm so glad that you said that too and that I've come to see that so me and my husband can have a, <laughs> a good relationship over him. And yeah. he does... Um, he, I'm trying to think, is it called armor? That I was going to say, there are actually, like more natural versions yes, like yes. armor thyroid. Yeah, yeah, like it's actually like a pig thyroid. like porcine. Yep. Yeah. yep. And so um, so that kind of was our good compromise. And now we live in harmony. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. So there's all kinds of different thyroid hormones out there. And, you know, some are better than others just mm. based on the fillers that are in them. And then, yes, like an armor or a nature thyroid is going to be 
more natural and that's going to give you both T4 and T3. And so, you know, but sometimes people can't take those. And so really um, my thought process is that we need to get your thyroid hormones balanced. However, we need to do that because some people react to armor thyroid and they just can't take that. And then, you know, others react to the other ones and they can't take that. So it's like whatever you need to do to make sure your thyroid hormones are stable, that's what we need to do. And then we got to go work on everything else mm -hmm. because when you, when you're dealing with Hashimoto's, it's not really a primary thyroid problem. It is an autoimmune condition. And so you have to look at all the triggers that are impacting the immune system. So one of the easiest ones is, okay, let's just get your, make sure your thyroid hormones are balanced. Now we've got to go to work on everything else, like your blood sugar, like your adrenal glands, like food sensitivities, like heavy metals or mold toxicity and, you know, gut health and all of that stuff really is a what matters more than just, you know, making sure your thyroid hormones are level. But unfortunately, that's what most people get. Like, that's the care that they get. It's like, okay, you have Hashimoto's. Well, let's just get your thyroid hormones right. Take this medication and then go on your way. And, right. you know, they're just told that you need to lose weight and exercise and, you know, eat less. And here, here's all these other pills for all these other symptoms you have. Yeah. And meanwhile, their body is like, no, I'm being exposed to toxins. I have to hold on to the fat to protect myself. And yeah, right. it, it is such a multifaceted issue. And um, I'd love to get into that. But for anybody who's listening today who doesn't necessarily know all the signs and symptoms of low thyroid, could you run through some of those for us so that our listeners could check in and say, oh yeah, that does describe what's been going on. Or maybe that sounds like my friend, what they're going through or my mom, what she's been going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the most common symptoms, um, fatigue is a huge one. Mm -hmm. um, so fatigue, um, inability to lose weight. Um, you can't sleep. Maybe you have anxiety, you have depression. Um, those are the big ones, but brain fog also plays a really big role there. Um, joint pain, um, or body pain, those, and they just continue to go. So the more imbalances you have, the, the worse the body starts to function. And so, um, what's really crazy is that a lot of times women will have these symptoms and, um, they'll go to their doctor and they run, you know, the TSH and it's, it's not the thyroid. And they're like, well, I don't know what's going on with me. And the crazy thing is these symptoms can be very similar to um, an insulin resistance issue. It can be similar to um, adrenal gland dysfunction. It can be similar to food sensitivity. So these symptoms are, even though they get lumped into low thyroid, they are very common across the board with many different imbalances. The other thing too is hair falling out is a big one. Mm. Um, but honestly, hair falling out gets lumped into low thyroid, but a blood sugar issue will actually cause you to lose your hair more frequently than even low thyroid. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And one thing I've noticed too, I, I'm a nutritionist and with some of my clients, I notice thyroid problems have the onset frequently after pregnancy in that postpartum period. Is that something you've noticed in your practice too? And like, what are your thoughts on that and sort of the origin of that? Yeah. So, um, usually 
Hashimoto's turns on when we have big fluctuations in our hormones. And this is my theory on why women have this occurs in women more often than men, because with men, they don't have big hormone fluctuations for the most part, but like big stressors can turn that on in men. Um, but for women, it's really when we have big hormonal fluctuations. So I see young girls when they start going through puberty, it can turn on then, but most often it turns on after the birth of a child because our immune system has to flip-flop when we are pregnant so that the, the body recognizes the baby as part of us instead of not part of us. Mm -hmm. um, so the immune system has to flip-flop and a lot of times it doesn't go back after we have um, the baby. And so that's the most common time that it turns on. Now the symptoms get worse um, when women go through menopause, because again, we're having hormonal shifts at that time as well. And so then the symptoms will get worse at that time or Hashimoto's can even turn on at that time as well. Um, but that, you know, it, un unfortunately that's usually when it turns on, but it doesn't get diagnosed until, you know, maybe years later, because we always blame those symptoms on postpartum or right. that's normal. Mm -hmm. You just had a baby. So, you know, just let it, let your body heal, which is appropriate. Mm -hmm. But then as those symptoms continue to get worse and it's like two years later, you're like, okay, this cannot be postpartum. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. this, like this is something else is really wrong. And so the immune system has to attack the thyroid enough. So then finally it'll show up as low thyroid at wow. which point that's a bummer because <laughs> now you've that's lost that thyroid functionality yeah that's exactly right and so it was you know for me i'm thankful that i had the knowledge and so after my first child i was running my labs and sure enough um that's when hashimoto's really turned on for me even though i had symptoms of low thyroid for a lot longer um, before that, but that's when I, when Hashimoto's turned on. And so I've been able to really regulate that, um, you know, because when it, since it first turned on, so that's been, you know, good for me. Yeah. So you've mentioned, you know, a, a couple of times the conventional medicine route of capturing Hashimoto's and, and trying to quote unquote diagnose it. Um, what are some of the ways that you found in your practice that Hashimoto's and low thyroid are mismanaged in conventional medicine practices? And what does a functional medicine practitioner do differently? Yeah, well, I think it's important to understand um, why someone has low thyroid, right? So in traditional medicine, they, it's really a disease or a diagnosis and, and, and drug-based, right, medication. Mm -hmm. So they're always looking for the disease and then the drug to apply to the disease. But a lot of us are in the zone where we don't have a diagnosable disease, but we have all of these symptoms. Or maybe we do have a diagnosable disease and they say, okay, your, th your TSH is high, you have low thyroid, here's your thyroid medication, come back and see me in a year. And so a lot of times, if not all the time, that medication may help those symptoms temporarily, but it really doesn't resolve the true underlying issue. Mm. And so you're kind of left with either, you know, it's your age, you're left with, um, it's your hormones. Oh, mm -hmm. it's menopause. You're left with all of these excuses mm -hmm. or, um, reasonings for why you have these symptoms, but you don't have any resolution. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times we think about, you know, what is it that I'm doing? My body is not functioning right. Am I broken? Is there something wrong with me? But when you're working in that disease drug therapy model, it's really just about diagnosing the disease. But in functional medicine, 
you go a lot deeper to understand and ask the question, well, why do you have low thyroid? Like Mm -hmm. what's causing low thyroid? What is, we have to address the root cause of why you have a disease or a symptom. And you have to really understand that symptoms for me, I look at symptoms like it's a blessing because when I have a symptom, it's my body giving me a warning sign that something is not right before it becomes a disease. And so, you know, we have to look at these symptoms like, all right, this is, you know, my body communicating that something's not right. I just need to figure out what's causing it. That allows us to apply a solution. And so in functional medicine, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with conventional medicine. I think we need it. There's a time and place for it for Mm -hmm. sure. But when we're dealing with chronic degenerative diseases, that's Mm -hmm. where it's really failing because it's not even, it's essentially managing the disease process and it's going to get worse over time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not really, it's not really addressing root causes so that you can reverse these diseases. And that's really where functional medicine shines. Yeah, I love that. Yep. And I can see that with like, so my husband and then his mom who has Hashimoto's, her, her kind of narrative on it is all, oh, well, it's genetic, it's genetic. So then she takes um, her medicine and that, and that's her era. And I, and I know that's more common, but where with my husband, then we went to a functional medicine doctor and they more try to get to the root at it, the root of it. And so she had um, Kevin do some things like even like eat gluten-free and like try to manage his stress and um, get more sleep. And my husband was like working out crazy and he, and they were like, no, you need to heal. Like let's quit pushing your cortisol levels. Um, so what are the things that you, um, I'm sure when you have a patient, you do more specific things, but is there kind of a general thing that you tell your patients that you're like, listen, guys, you need nine hours of sleep. You need to sit in the sauna every day or what I mean, or what are your kind of your general protocol? Yeah, I would say in general, well, first of all, we customize care for every single patient based on what they're dealing with. So we do a lot of testing, but in general, um, yes, g- gluten is a huge issue for uh-huh. people Yep. conditions. Um, and there, there's a thing called molecular mimicry and the body looks at gluten like it looks at your thyroid tissue, like it's very similar. And when people with Hashimoto's eat gluten, it does cause the immune system to attack the thyroid. And those antibodies stay circulating for 90 days. So one little bite of gluten will have impact on your body for 90 days. Wow. And I think people don't really understand or realize that, but gluten is, is creating a huge issue. It really also creates a big issue with your brain um, and your brain health and creates a lot of inflammation. So mm-hmm. gluten-free is okay. it was a bad thing, but I was, I've been gluten-free for almost 20 years now before mm-hmm. it was a bad thing. Yep, yep, it before is cool anybody now. knew what gluten was, I'd go into a restaurant and they'd be like, gluten? Like, what are you talking what about? Like, okay. Yep. Just give me some protein and some vegetables and we're going to be good. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so really everyone there's not many things that everyone should do, but going gluten-free, you know, especially if you have an autoimmune condition Mm -hmm. is huge. Um, And, and really controlling your blood sugar is also a really big deal. So making sure that we get refined sugar out, 
Um, the more protein and vegetables that we can eat, the better. Um, and a lot of times when people do go gluten-free, they start eating all these other grains that are mm -hmm. loaded with sugar and highly processed. So um, most of my patients are grain-free as well. Mm -hmm. So we may go somewhere between like paleo or, or keto, depending on what the mm -hmm. patient needs um, and where they're at with their with their weight and with their blood sugar. So that's a big one. And of course, you got to drink water, right? Mm -hmm. Half your body weight in ounces of water is a good rule of thumb. And absolutely, we have to get some sleep. Um, and I talk a lot about sleep hygiene and things like that, because the body, that's when the body's healing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's when the body starts to kind of reset and clears out inflammation and toxins when you're sleeping. And, um, you know, it also improves your sex drive. So every hour over seven hours that you get increases your sex drive and libido. So all Bonus. of those We're things sleeping 12 hours a day now, guys, all of us. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I saw just a note on the water. I was looking at your Instagram page as well, and I saw that you were like, you should never be. I just released an episode on salt and the importance of salt intake with Dr. Yep. David Brownstein, and I saw on your you're paid, you were like, don't drink water without some sort of added electrolytes, like salt, Celtic, like high quality Celtic sea salt. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a big one. And I think also we have to make sure we're drinking clean water because tap mm -hmm. water is probably the worst thing you could possibly put in your body, especially as it relates to your thyroid, because fluoride, well, chlorine, and especially like chlorine competes for um, iodine at the thyroid level. So we've got to make sure that we're drinking clean water. And then of course, adding in those electrolytes is going to be very important. I mean, I've had, um, patients who are exhausted and I'm looking at their labs. I'm like, you're dehydrated. And they're like, well, Dr. Heather, I drink tons of water. I'm like, there's no way because at a cellular level, you're dehydrated. I'm like, okay, are you urinating a lot? They're like a lot. I'm like, okay, we're going to put electrolytes in your water. All you need mm -hmm. to do is just grab a little pinch of sea salt, the Celtic sea salt and put it in your water. And it's like a game changer. They're like, oh my gosh. I, I'm like, that was so easy. <laughs> that was so, that was a really easy solution and an easy fix. But um, if we just did that on, on a regular basis, we would be a lot better off. Yeah, I've started doing that since I recorded that episode with Dr. Oh, yeah, and I Dr. wasn't there for this. So I'm like, uh-oh, I yeah, better start doing it just, this. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay, every 32 ounces, I think I add about a half teaspoon of salt or something. And he said you you get used to it and it, you, you really do. Like it does taste a little bit salty at first, but now I'm like, oh, no, this water doesn't have salt in it. I don't want to drink it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it starts to taste like if you don't have salt in your water, it does taste different. Yeah. <laughs> get used to it. But I think it's, it's really important because nowadays we're told like, um, you, we need to get everything salt free, right? Like mm -hmm. we've got to reduce our sodium. If you have high blood pressure, you've got to reduce everything, um, or reduce the salt intake. And that's a, not what we need to be doing, but yes, we need to reduce table salt and all of that iodinized and bleach salt. All of that is terrible. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't need to be scared to add healthy salt, the Celtic sea salt or Himalayan pink sea salt. 
um, to our water. And even there's a lot of companies that make great electrolytes that you can add in, but it really helps with your blood pressure. It helps with um, your adrenal function and your kidney function and all the other systems in the body. And I think a lot of people are scared to add salt because we've been so indoctrinated to mm -hmm. think that salt is bad. But in reality, the table salt is not great at all. Mm -hmm. And we're even finding microplastics in those in the in regular table salt, which is why it's really important to have great um, Celtic sea salt or Himalayan salt. Yeah. And wow. we I like that the Selena naturally. I like that brand and I like the Redmond's real salt yeah. as well. Those yeah. ones are, are yeah. good ones that I always recommend. But yes, I'm constantly, constantly up against that in my nutrition practice. I think the top two things like in in like grained, ingrained beliefs that people yeah. have are that fat is bad and that salt is bad. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. no, lots of salt, lots of fat. Like good fats. Yeah. have good salt like it's just it's all about quality right so yes yeah. anyway I love that um what are some of because we maybe our listeners know or don't know you know iodine selenium those are things that are so important to our thyroid function what are some of the dietary practices that you recommend of like getting nutrition in to support the thyroid? What are some foods that you yes. like to recommend? Yes, whether through foods and then also if you supplement at all, I wanna know that. Yeah, so first of all, I think the biggest thing is that if we would just stop eating so many processed foods, mm. we wouldn't have to worry too much about, um, you know, too much about what it is that we're eating necessarily for the thyroid. Cause I think that there's a lot of misinformation out there. Like we shouldn't eat uh, vegetables from the brassica family because it impacts the thyroid. And that yeah. just, um, the studies don't support that. They right. actually help thyroid function. So a lot mm. of women are staying away from like broccoli and, and um, Brussels mm. sprouts, all of those things, because they say that they are what would be called like a goitrogen. Um, but in reality, food doesn't work that way. Drugs do work in that way. There's a lot of drugs that are actually anti-thyroid. Um, but for me, I just really want my patients to eat whole foods that mm. are not processed, right? So good amount of animal protein, um, lots of vegetables, a little bit of fruit, and of course, really good healthy fats. If we could just focus on that, I mean, a lot of people get sidetracked and say, oh my God, I can't eat broccoli, but they're going to go eat McDonald's, right? Right, so right, right. <laughs> right. The disconnect. Okay. They stay, they're so scared of broccoli because somebody said it was really bad for your thyroid, but instead they're going to McDonald's or they're eating all these other processed foods. And I'm like, all right, we just need to really focus on protein, vegetables, really good healthy fats, eat as little of processed food as you possibly can. Um, that's going to give you a lot of the nutrients that you need. Um, but there's, there is a rule of thumb essentially for like, what should a person with low thyroid be taking as far as nutritional supplementation? Now, again, I customize, um, mm. what I give my patients based on all of their labs. And I go through, you know, different protocols based on what they're dealing with as far as toxins and mold toxins, heavy metals and food sensitivities and all of that stuff. But in general, like glutathione is huge. Mm. Um, glutathione is your is a master antioxidant and it helps you clear toxins out of the system. And um, so glutathione is is a big one. And I like to use a liposomal glutathione so that it gets right into this at the cellular level and doesn't get eaten all up by the liver right away. So um, glutathione is a huge one. Um, 
Um, let me think about some other ones. I always stabilize blood sugar because blood sugar is huge for people who have a thyroid issue because mm. the thyroid does help stabilize blood sugar. So does adrenal glands. It all kind of plays together. So I always want to make sure um, I'm supporting blood sugar in whatever way we need to do, whether it's hypoglycemic or hyperglycemia. We really want to support there. Um I always give like a superoxide dismutase, which helps decrease inflammation and it helps calm down the immune system. Um, I'm always giving an omega um, as well because that also does the same thing. Um, those are kind of very um, across the board what most patients would take, like an omega, glutathione. I may give resveratrol as well because it all helps decrease inflammation and oxidation, and it's really stabilizing to the immune system. And vitamin D, pretty much everybody should be on vitamin D because you can't get adequate levels of vitamin D just in the sun. You would need 30 minutes of um, full body exposure, which mm -hmm. means naked or in a bikini yeah. every single day without yeah. sunscreen. <laughs> yeah. So I think that most people do that. Um, even in Texas, like today is, is a very cloudy day. So mm -hmm. we would not be able to get adequate levels of vitamin D. And that's just to get it right into the lab range. And, you know, I usually like vitamin D levels to be around 70 to 80 for someone who has an autoimmune issue. Mm -hmm. And so you absolutely have to supplement to get that there. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realize with sunshine exposure too, there's yeah. a specific UVA index that you need to be hitting in order to get that proper sun exposure for vitamin D production. And even yeah. where we are in Iowa, for like four or five months of the year, the sun isn't even in the right part of the like hemisphere where we can get that level of UVA exposure. So yes, well, not only would you have to be naked in the winter, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's also important to know if you have an autoimmune condition, many of us have a defect at the receptor site for vitamin D. Mm. And so we have to take higher levels of vitamin D just to get those, the, the, the levels in the blood to, to register. So, you know, I think the USRDA is like a thousand IUs a day of yeah. vitamin D it's and I would low. give that to a newborn. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, most of my patients are at about 10,000 IUs um, or more to get their levels up. And then a lot of times they have to stay on that just as a maintenance dosage. Mm -hmm. And I think testing your vitamin D is so important for everyone. I was, yeah. my husband and I, like a few, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, tested our vitamin D for the same, at the same time. And um, I, we'd been supplementing the same amount and getting the same amount of sunshine. Mm -hmm. And his levels were like 72, which was great. And mine were like 30. Really? Yep. And it was just, it's how I was processing vitamin D. And also, I mean, you can't tell right now because it's the middle of winter, but I'm Italian. I get tan way faster. Like I have the melanin in my skin kind of blocks the uptake of vitamin D. He's very white and freckly. So he kind of gets it more too, even with just sunshine <laughs> exposure. But yes, and, and I have endometriosis, which I believe is, you know, not confirmed, but very close to being confirmed as an autoimmune condition. And so that was the first time I'm like, oh, I have to take more vitamin D than you do to achieve the same results. Mm. I had to double my intake to get the same yeah. results he was getting. 
Yeah. I, I can't stress enough how important testing is because mm. there is no like level that everybody should be taking. So a lot of times patients will ask me, well, you know, like in my, on Instagram or on Facebook, well, how much vitamin D should we be taking? And mm. I, I'm like, I have no earthly idea. <laughs> yeah. I, you don't know how to even answer that question because you don't know where you're at at that moment. Do mm. you need more? Do you need less? How much more do you need? How are you absorbing it? And then once we get like, okay, this is where we're going to start dosing you, we have to do follow-up testing to make sure that you're absorbing it. Do you need more? Do you need less? Because vitamin D is one of those, it's called vitamin D because when they first discovered it, they thought it was a vitamin, but in reality, it, it works more like a hormone. And so we have to um, really continue to test to make sure we know where that you as an individual are, and that would determine dosing. <clears throat> um, that kind of leads us to um, kind of a patient section here. So for our listeners, um, you, well, we're from Iowa, so maybe, I don't know if you can work with people from Iowa, but I know that you work on Zoom with your patients and you have them do lab work. What are the states that you can... Um, I have a patient from and then also what does it look like and what kind of patients do you like how do patients find you or what's yeah what's your patient thing look like yeah so we currently we work with patients in colorado texas and arizona we are expanding um this year as well but those are the three states that we really focus on right now and um, our practice is women only. Mm -hmm. And um, it's women who are suffering from low thyroid or have symptoms of low thyroid. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all of those symptoms that we mentioned before. And um, the way that people can, you know, get in contact with me or learn more information, I have a really large group on Facebook called Happy, Healthy and Lean. And I think we just hit 21,000 um, members. Wow. So yeah, cool. really awesome. excited about that community that we're building. It's, it's really, yep. it's awesome because we have to be surrounded by like-minded people. And yes. when you're surrounded by people that don't value health or it's not a high priority, it's very difficult to mm -hmm. stay on that journey. And so we have to surround ourselves by women who are on this same journey. So it's a really great community. Um, and that's where people would start. I do all kinds of master classes. Um, at the time that this will air, I will have just finished a losing weight with low thyroid master class. And then um, I have another um, thyroid transformation master class that will be coming up um, in February. So it's really educational, gives you a good background about what's really going on. And um, you get to meet other like-minded ladies in there and have a lot of support. So that's really where the journey starts. And then, um, you know, my schedule's not always open. So usually after those master classes, I open the schedule up and, and that's how patients have to um, enter because I want to make sure that we're on the same page and they have mm. a good baseline of knowledge to set them up for the best success. That's so smart because otherwise you're covering the same like seven things with every person, right? Yeah. And so it's like every yes. conversation just begins the same. So if you can create a master class that then that patient can take and walk through, they come in already educated and you don't feel like you're just on repeat. Yeah, that is brilliant. That's so Good. smart. 
That's and I think amazing. it's important because, you know, this journey or, or this way about taking care of your health isn't for everybody. Yeah. Right. So right. it can it can allow people to have some knowledge about is this the path I want to go down mm-hmm. or would I rather just take a pill and deal with these symptoms as they come? Yeah. So if somebody is like, I just want to take a pill and eat whatever I want and it's it's you know, the pain of changing your diet is greater than the pain of all the symptoms you're dealing yeah. with, then it's probably not going to be a good fit. So yeah. it it doesn't waste anybody's time. So people get to get a lot of information for free and decide, you know, if this is going to be the right path for them. And they're already locked into a, a community that's there to support. And I love it that's too, amazing. because I think sometimes people, they aren't ready for the information yet. But it yep. doesn't mean they won't ever be ready. Yeah. And so That's sometimes right. programs like that are such a good way. Somebody hears the information, they're like, no, I don't want to do that. You know, they want to yep. take the medication. Yep. And then a few yep. years later, they're like, man, I'm still feeling crappy. I'm yeah, I wondering, I remember that masterclass I took. <laughs> yes. There might be a better way to do this. Yep. And then they're I have open. ladies and they're like, um, Dr. Heather, this is my seventh masterclass. I'm like, seventh masterclass? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm so glad you're here. What took you so long? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So they're like, I wasn't ready or life yep. circumstances were getting in the way or, you know, they just hadn't had enough pain yet to make yep. them make that shift because it is a lifestyle change and you have to be ready. Yep. Um, it's not some fad diet or something that they can do for 30 days, like some 30 day challenge. Yeah. This is like a lifestyle and a health journey. And you do not everybody's ready right away. Everybody, you know, you have to be in the right place. And I know with autoimmune conditions like Hashimoto's and with any autoimmune condition, other autoimmune conditions are can can arise out of that. I mean, once you're susceptible to that, there are more and more that can crop up. And so, like you said, it really is a lifestyle. It's not like 30 days of some diet. I don't even like that word. But, you know, like it's a lifestyle change because you're you're safeguarding your body against other future possible autoimmune conditions that could arise as well. So it's always going to be part of your life in some way. The good news is that once you make those lifestyle changes part of your life, you feel so good. You don't want to go Uh back. That's exactly right. And you know, it's, it's people have to be, it's a mindset shift. Like from the time that they were born, it's like you have a symptom or, you know, a disease Well, you take a pill and then you go on your way. And so it's like mm-hmm. allowing women to become empowered, let them know yeah. that they have control over their bodies and yeah. they have to guide and, and really um, guide their health because nobody's going to care more about their health than they do. Yeah. And so it's about re-empowering them um, to actually take charge of their health and know that they they have to take full responsibility because nobody else is going to. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Um, I know that you have a book out. Um, can you tell us about your book and then the pillars of health within your book? And it's available on Amazon, right? Yes, it is available on Amazon. It's the Thyroid Transformation Blueprint. And I'll go through the pillars pretty quickly. The first pillar um, is to have a constant pursuit of your goals. Mm. And I think this is the biggest starting point and where what we work on a lot in the masterclass is first letting you know that you don't have to have symptoms and you actually can have goals to get rid of those symptoms. And mm. we, you know, we don't have to live a life with symptoms. And so setting those goals so that we all know what, what page we're on, we're working, t- we're on the same page and we're working towards a common goal is really important. And then second is to have um, comprehensive testing. 
So I've said that many times, and it's not just comprehensive testing with the thyroid, but it's what, how is the body all working together? We're testing blood sugar and adrenals and kidneys and liver function and, you know, all the things so that we can really understand how your body's actually functioning. So many times we have a symptom. We know we want the symptom to go away and um, we start to apply a solution, whether it's a drug or a supplement, then we're trying to get rid of this symptom, but we don't know what the cause is. And so then we end up with bags of supplements or mm-hmm. if you're like me, an entire cab, we have no medicine cabinet. I've got a supplement cabinet. Yeah, same, so, same, same. So we end up with all these supplements that don't work because we don't know what where the, mm. the problem is because we don't do testing. So test, you have to do these pillars in order. Um, so we have to have a goal. We have to do very comprehensive testing And then um, the next pillar, number three, is that you have to have a comprehensive diagnosis and analysis of the testing. So it's not really just do you have a a named disease or a diagnosis, but where is the dysfunction? Where are the underlying imbalances that are contributing to whatever disease or symptom that you have? And then you have to have customized care, right? You have to have a customized treatment plan based on what's going on in the labs And then um, pillar number five is that you have to be coachable. Um, Mm -hmm. And you also, it it has a dual meaning. You need to be coachable, but you also need a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, So trying to navigate these waters on your own, you can certainly do that. But there are people who, um, like me, have been doing it for 20 years. And so, um, and probably you, Elena, like it's, it's, um, it's, the path has already been carved, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it, there is a way that you can do it really quickly if you find a coach that knows what they're doing and has experience. But also we do need to be coachable because um, with this, with as much information as we have nowadays, right? Like a long time ago, it was difficult to get information, but now we have so much information. We don't even know how to sort through all of the information Mm -hmm. and understand what might be misinformation. But because we have a lot of information, um, sometimes it's hard to be coachable, right? It's hard to be coached because um, we have had a lot of failures and maybe you've seen a lot of doctors that you knew more than, um, <laughs> which is uncommon. So um, we do, once you find somebody, we got to be coachable. And it is really important to have a coach. Every person who's been super successful has a coach along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then pillar six is you've got to retest. I can't tell you how many times I've seen where somebody did testing like a year ago and I'm like, okay, well, where was the retest? Did we see how far you came? Like, did they retest so that we could see how your body is healed and how we might need to change your treatment plan? So it's really important to continue your testing um, and, and to do it more than just once a year so that we can understand the body heals quickly when you're working on the true underlying issues. And you should see that in your labs. And then pillar number seven is to recustomize care. So you got to have testing, you've got to have the analysis, you've got to have a customized treatment plan. And then as you're applying the solution, you've got to retest and make sure you're on the right path. Absolutely. So So comprehensive. Yep. And that is so like me. I'm so scrappy. I would do one test and think that test is my life forever. (laughs) But you got to retest. You got to, of course, that makes sense. Um, Do you only take patients for Hashimoto's or do you do other illnesses also? 
Yeah, I think the nature of my practice is I focus on people with mm-hmm. low thyroid and Hashimoto's, but um, like we were talking earlier, when you have one autoimmune disease, you're mm-hmm. at a high risk of developing multiple autoimmune diseases. So um, I work with m- many diff- women who have many different autoimmune conditions, dealing with um, also dealing with diabetes and insulin resistance. And but the focus um, for me is low thyroid because mm-hmm. it's easy to educate. It's easy to um, really go deep with that group of women and really get healing. But um, most of those women are dealing with a whole host of all kinds of other symptoms and disease mm-hmm. processes. Um, but my passion is really working with women with low thyroid. Um, and can anyone join your Facebook group or do they, do they have to be low thyroid or Hashimoto's? No, for anybody you? can, okay. yeah, anybody can join the Facebook group. Okay. Healthy, happy, and lean. Anybody who wants to That's be right. healthy, yes. happy, and lean. <laughs> yes. I love, but they have to be women, right? Yes, they women. do have to be women. That okay. is a women's only group because yeah. we talk about a lot of things and yeah. we can be, I, I do not hate men. I love men. Yep. 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 <laughs> Sometimes we just want to have a girl space. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> we're going to talk about our cycles on there. So you don't want to yeah, be on we there We are. Anyway. And I'm sure men don't want to. Yeah. They're like, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> well, in this era of like information that's uh, all around us, mm-hmm. I'm sure that you encounter a lot of women who have first kind of tried to tackle their problems on their own. What are some of the most common mistakes that you see people make, women especially make, when it comes to their thyroid health and especially to the weight management aspect of their thyroid health? Because I know that's one of the biggest complaints for a lot of women with the thyroid. Yeah, I think when you first asked me that question, that was the first thing that popped in my mind is how they're eating. Because um, on Instagram, you will find um, you know, the latest bad diet. One week, mm. this is the answer. And the next week, that's completely not the answer. Yeah. <laughs> There's a pill for weight loss. And, you know, the, I, I'm, I click on all of these things, too, because I want to see what my patients are being exposed to and what they're seeing and buying. Yep. It was like this one supplement that you could eat anything that you wanted. And it was like showing people eating donuts and gluten and pizza. And then, the, you know, it was showing before and afters and you're really skinny people. Uh, and it was like, with just this one probiotic, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I can't believe that. People, <laughs> I can't even believe that this is a thing. You know, I don't know. I have to be very careful with my ads so that they don't get pulled off. I'm like, how did that make that through? I don't know. But, um, but you know, we start to cling on to whatever the fad diet we have, whatever we are being exposed to on Instagram and Facebook. And I think, um, you know, the biggest fallacy that I see is a lot of women are doing intermittent fasting. And I am, uh, you know, guilty of this as well, because I love fasting because I don't have to think about what I'm going to eat. <laughs> you know, it's like easy. It saves money. Yeah, <laughs> I can just work all the way through until I'm about to fall over and then I'll eat something. Yep. <laughs> so, um, you know, what's crazy is I was experimenting because I always experiment on myself first. Mm-hmm. And so I was monitoring my blood sugar. And I went and got my labs done and my A1C was like one tenth of a point from being pre-diabetic. I'm like, wait, how is this even possible? Because my diet is super clean. I work Mm -hmm. out, but I was in, I was fasting for too long. So then I got a continuous glucose monitor and I was monitoring. And when it got beyond like 10 o'clock in the morning, my blood sugar spiked really high. Like it went to 130. I'm like, holy cow, what is going Mm, on? Yeah. 
And so my blood sugar was really high because it was a big stressor for me, right? My Mm. adrenal glands kicked in. I produced all this cortisol and I wasn't losing weight, but I was loving fasting because I didn't have to think about eating and it Mm -hmm. was just easier, but it was definitely the wrong thing for me to do. Now, some people can do intermittent fasting and it's very helpful for them, but most of us, especially when we have um, unstable blood sugar or we have some insulin resistance or we have hypoglycemia, Um, that's probably one of the worst things that we can do is intermittent fast. And, you know, when we're looking at, you know, on Instagram, they'll say this study said that we should do this, right? Mm -hmm. And in women have different physiologies. Most of those studies are done on men. Amen. I was Um, just thinking that. (laughs) Yeah, we're not where our hormones are completely different. It depends on how stressed we are, how healthy our adrenal glands are, what our blood sugar is doing. And so intermittent fasting is usually what I have to get women off of. I have to say, Mm -hmm. okay, we can't fast. And we're all scared, including myself, to start eating again because maybe we're going to start gaining weight. Mm -hmm. But I, most of the comments are, I'm eating more now than I ever have, and I'm continuing to lose weight. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's because we're starting to be able to regulate their blood sugar. We're regulating cortisol um, production, um, and the body is starting to heal. So intermittent fasting is is one of those it's healthy for people who it's healthy for Mm -hmm. (laughs) but not it's not healthy for everybody and Mm -hmm. most women i have to get them off of intermittent fasting we have to start eating again eating whole foods proteins and and vegetables and good healthy fats which is another one where our psyche gets in the way because of how we've been indoctrinated thinking fat is going to make us fat Mm -hmm. Uh, but it doesn't unhealthy fats make us fat but Mm -hmm. healthy fats are really good for us Um, but the intermittent fasting thing is, is kind of a a big deal right now because it's, it's hot topic. It's easy. Most of us like doing it because, you know, we think we're going to lose weight with less eating and it's easier, but in reality, that's not what I see in my clinical practice. Yeah. Yeah. And we've had my friend, um, from my nutrition program, Dina Thompson on three times to our show now. And the very first episode she ever had with us was all about intermittent fasting. And at that time it was probably a year ago. Oh, it was at the beginning. So it was like a year and a half ago. Um, I was practicing intermittent fasting probably like so many women were where I would skip breakfast and I would eat at like 12. That would be my first meal of the day. And then I was working these crazy long hours. So stressed out, not a good time to be doing intermittent fasting, but I didn't know that Mm -hmm. at the time. So I would get home from work sometimes like 7.45 and eight, like eat at like eight or 9 p.m. and then go to bed at like 10 p.m. and then get up early the next morning and do it all again. And one of the things she said that really transformed my health and my sleep was don't skip breakfast, make breakfast your biggest meal of the day. Eat within an hour to two hours of of waking up, 30 grams of protein. And then we just had Tiffany Cagwin on and and she re- visited that point, like eating within half an hour, an hour to two hours of waking up, making it your biggest meal of the day, and then letting your fast be overnight while you sleep. So yeah. And the key being three hours um, after your latest meal before you go to bed to, to have an empty stomach. Yeah. And, and yep. just, and you know, and I also know for some women too, who are having adrenal issues, even waiting too long to have any meal can be an extra stress on their body. And so some people, like you said, can even need to have something before bed so that they're not going too long throughout the night. But that totally transformed my thinking a year and a half ago. I have never skipped breakfast 
<laughs> as long as it's in my control yeah. since yeah. then. Yeah. And I have felt I so much a better. Continuous glucose monitor for pretty much most of the time. I'm a little bit addicted to it because yes. um because I can see exactly what's going on mm. in real time. And I do notice if I don't eat within 30 minutes to an hour, you know, your my blood sugar starts to go up. It starts yeah. to go up when I eat, it goes right back down. So that's one of the first things which I still have to consciously do that because I could go forever and not eat, which is mm. not a good thing. That yeah. means your metabolism is not working. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree. I have to, the first thing I do when I wake up is start to make some kind of protein, Mm -hmm. right. Whether it's healthy bacon or, you know, chicken sausage or, you know, some kind of protein, um, you know, to, to stabilize your blood sugar. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, that sort of transitions to a a question that I want to ask in my very, um, selfish way is that you have a ranch and, um, (laughs) I saw in your bio that you have people that come down and do healing at your ranch. Um, Mm -hmm. so what, what does that look like? What's. Yeah. So we do retreats at the ranch. So it's, um, currently it's the advanced, um, thyroid transformation retreat. So it's current patients who've been with me for at least six months, um, or longer so that we can really do a deep dive into some of the mindset stuff, because really healing is 80, 20, and we always focus on the 20%. But the 80% is what's going on in your in your mind and um, all the self-talk and yes. all the things that are happening, you know, behind the scenes that we don't really pay a lot of attention to. So we dig deep um, on a lot of those things. And it's a time for these ladies to get a break, to yeah. get outside of their environment, to make connections with other ladies as well. And it is farm to table. So um, you know, last year I was so excited because I was able to do fully farm to table, um, on two of my retreats where um, all the produce was from the garden and all the pro the animal protein, they had been raised on our um, ranch. So, um, fully grass fed and grass finished and, (laughs) and all of that stuff. So So amazing. We just hang out, we go to the pool, we pet the animals, we do a lot of work on our mindset and the mental side of things. And, um, we do some advanced testing and, and uh, as well. That sounds oh, beautiful. Sounds amazing, amazing, and yeah. and on your regenerative ranch, which is also so yeah. cool for the environment. So we, I love all of that that you just said. I was like, I'm gonna get Hashimoto's just so I can come to that retreat. and move to Texas <laughs> or Colorado. To Texas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just joking. They start taking awesome. my no, husband's T3. <laughs> in 2024, I think I am going to start to open up those retreats to outside people who mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have I to don't have Hashimoto's. have to have it. Okay, I'm jealous <laughs> of all the Hashis out there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll let you know when we do that. Okay, I love it. I love it. That sounds like a dream for well, sure. Well, you, you talked about that mindset set shift and um, I want to respect your time and I know we should wrap it up soon, but... I am curious, what are some of the false beliefs that women have about themselves, Mm -hmm. about their healing journey, about what they're capable of? What are some of those false beliefs that keep them from being able to heal the way that we know they can? Yeah. So there's three main false beliefs that most people are dealing with. One is I am not enough. Mm. So this is huge for most of these women, right? So, um, and even, I think we all on some level have to deal with that. I mean, I could literally talk for two hours on this subject, but I'll respect everybody's time as well. So the three false beliefs, number one is I am not enough. 
Number two is it's not available to me. Mm. Uh, and number three is I'm different. Wow. Right. So we're all dealing with at least one, if not multiple of those false beliefs on different levels. Sometimes those false beliefs are so big, there can be paralyzing and you can't move forward. Um, and then other times it's, it, you know, for me, I've done a ton of work on those. Mm. And so I still on some level and I deal with it. But it's about recognizing when you're having those beliefs or recognizing how they're keeping you stuck in, in your life. And I would say that if your life isn't where you want it to be in any area, whether it's your health, your finances, your relationships, spirituality, you're dealing with one of those false beliefs on some level that you have to just kind of sit in stillness and in quiet and just ask yeah. <laughs> and you'll get the answer, but it takes, it does take some effort and mm -hmm. you don't just get to, you know, um, make those false beliefs go away because all false beliefs have to be replaced with a different belief. Mm -hmm. And it takes practice because of the way that your brain fires and wires those neural pathways get like ingrained in. So you mm -hmm. have to actually make new neural pathways. So it's not like one day you can just have the thought, Hey, this is a, a false belief that I need to get rid of. You have to like constantly be retraining your brain to think differently. Mm -hmm. Cause if you think about it, you've spent decades with these false beliefs, right? Like I am fat or, you know, I, I, um, I can't ever lose weight or nothing I do ever works, um, or it's genetic, right? Mm -hmm. Like all of those are false beliefs that we say in our mind over and over and over. And your subconscious mind, it responds to the things that you say and the pictures that you see. And it's mostly in your head, right? So you have to retrain your brain to start thinking differently and you have mm -hmm. to replace false beliefs. But the only way to, to replace a false belief is to first recognize it um, and see how it shows up in your life. And, and truly that is the 80% that we don't work on. And we're all focused on this next fad diet or this next, next miracle supplement or miracle pill um, instead of really working on the 80% that matters. I love that. I love that so much. Like you have my heart right now. I don't know. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I actually just got, well, our listeners know this. I just got a tattoo yesterday. Look, I'm in my, in my old age, but it says, I choose, I feel I am. And that's like my new mantra of that same idea of like, we all have negative beliefs, but to work through that, to have, really have agency and gratitude, you need to kind of like, yeah, reset your brain. So I'm right on track and I'm loving all awesome. that you're saying. Um, so we definitely appreciate you. What a what a light you are to the world. So thank Absolutely. you. Awesome. Thank you. And for our our listeners who today are like, okay, I'm ready. I am inspired. Yeah, I love this <laughs> what's, lady. What's like one thing they could do today to start their health journey? Um, the one thing I'm going to give them two things. One thing that they need to do is they need to write, I am enough everywhere. Mm. <laughs> it, it should be your screensaver. I put it on my mirrors. I put it on my kids' mirrors. Um, especially when they were growing up, I would write it in a dry erase marker. Um, so that's number one is mm -hmm. just to see it and to reinforce that you are enough wherever you are. Right. It doesn't matter. We can f find a gajillion flaws that we're never going to be perfect, um, but you're enough. Um, so that's number one. Love that. um, and number two, I think something that they could actually do or put into practice is to start eating whole foods. Right. Mm. Protein, vegetables, good, healthy fats. 
um, and really cut out gluten and, and grains is, is, is that if they just did that, they would see, they would start to see changes in their life. I love it. I love it so much. Dr. Heather, you are a light in the darkness. (laughs) Absolutely. Where are all the places that are, and we'll put it in our show notes, but if you want to say out loud here, all the places that our listeners could find you online. Yep. So they can go to my Facebook group, Happy, Healthy, and Lean. So if they just search that, um, they'll, uh, my picture's on the front. So they would see that. It's pretty easy to find. Um, they can also find me on Instagram at Dr. Heather Stone. Um, I'm on Facebook, Dr. Heather Stone. And of course, they can um, go to Amazon and get uh, my book, uh, Thyroid Transformation Blueprint. We also do have the first um, two chapters for free. So your listeners can download that. Um, that is, uh, let me see what the website is. That's thyroidtransformationblueprint.com. Cool. And then just get the first two chapters and see if they like it before they buy the book. I love it. That's awesome. Well, good. Well, this has been such a a joy for me and Eleni here to interview you. And um, thank you so much for all that you do. And I feel like you really found uh, your place in the world and how to really be there for women and empower them. And I think it's really cool what you're doing. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for having me. It's been a real joy. And um, I really hope that your listeners got something out of today. I'm sure they did. Yes, Yes, I'm sure they did. Thank you, Dr. Heather. It has been a delight to have you on. And thank you for listening to all of our listeners. And go be renegades. Go be renegades. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Nutrition Podcast. Please keep in mind that this podcast is an educational service that provides general health information. The content on this podcast is not a substitute for direct, personal, professional medical care and diagnosis. You should always talk to your doctor before making a dietary or lifestyle change. Go be renegades! Go be renegades!